Welcome to the Weekly Artifact. I'm Justin, and this is my co-host. Hello, I'm Alex. We're two former creative writing majors searching for meaning in a sea of content. Every other week, we will select one piece of content each, an article, a video, another podcast that we found particularly interesting and discuss it. As always, our comments are our own and are not associated with any institution. The show may contain explicit language or themes. See the show notes for specific content warnings. So my article this week is titled, It's Still Bernie. It's from the magazine Jacobin. Honestly, I'm surprised I haven't uh, used an article from there yet. I'll probably dip back into that well in some point in the future. Um, but it's by Amber Ailey Frost. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that middle name right, but Amber Frost in any case. Basically, I won't go through every single point the article makes, but uh, it starts off, she talks about how she was uh, participating in a draft Warren event to try and get Warren to run. You may or may not remember the run Warren run sort of hype train in the lead up to the 2016 election. Of course, she did not run, but they said even at the time, they had sort of realized that they had no real enthusiasm for Warren and uh, decided that Bernie should be their candidate. And her argument is basically that what was true in 2016 is true again now, that Bernie Sanders is the best candidate to beat Trump and also has the best politics and policies and she goes through a couple examples such as bernie pressuring amazon to raise their wages bernie going after walmart uh, condemning saudi arabia trying to uh, end support for the war in yemen uh, introducing a no money bail act federal job guarantee campaigning for medicare for all so as, as some examples of his policies goes on to further critique Elizabeth Warren, which I did not realize uh, this part, but uh, it says that Warren uh, did not stop voting Republican until 1995. For a bad reason. (laughs) Just stupid. Uh Uh, So it has the quote from her that she uh, she thought that the Republicans were the people who best supported the markets, and I I think that's not true anymore, Uh, which is, like you said, not really the greatest reason. Uh, particularly if you think about where the Republicans were in 1995. But uh, in any case, this is apparently a thing Warren did. And yeah, she said uh, she at the time she didn't want the government to play too activist a role. Uh, I guess to her credit, perhaps she's changed that uh, opinion. But uh, apparently, I don't know, it says she declined to say if she voted for Reagan, which I guess means she voted for Reagan. Absolutely. She (laughs) voted for Ronald Reagan. Um, Just lie. I don't think they can find that out, right? You could just say, no, I didn't vote for him. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, like, weird things that people can, like, very clearly lie about that they just, like, refuse not to. Just, but, like, might as well just, like, tell the truth then if you, like, refuse to answer. Yeah, I'm guessing this quote was probably uh, in the pre-Trump days when people mm. still somewhat cared about the truth. Or, you know, maybe it was not. Who knows? But, um, anyway, so then the, the article goes on to... It gives an example of, uh, I don't know, I'm not exactly sure who Hamilton Nolan is. I'm not familiar with his work, but it, his argument is just sort of an example of a, an argument of people who say, 
it doesn't matter who runs anyone but Trump will vote for. And sort of goes on to say that's not true, which we, of course, did learn in 2016. So it's kind of odd that these arguments are being tried back out. The idea that anyone can beat Trump after, I mean, if that were true, we would not have Trump now. But in any case, her point being that we need the right person to beat Trump. I did like the line that Obama was the very last horoscope candidate. I thought that was a, a good line, even though I don't know if it's totally fair because Obama did have some concrete promises. He just didn't keep them, but I, I do remember <laughs> him. I mean, he did Guantanamo say he was, closed, right? what was that? Guantanamo was closed, right? That was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing I remember being excited about for the Obama run. I mean, I remember because everything else was kind of vague, but like I thought he would follow through because he would talk about getting rid of the golden parachutes, which in hindsight was sort of vague as to exactly what that meant. But the one thing that he was very solid on was that he was close Guantanamo. Uh, so not totally fair to call him the horoscope president, but yeah, just did not really follow through with anything. Anyways, but later in that paragraph is when she sort of critiques some of the other people who are running. Talks about uh, Kamala Harris and her uh, work as a prosecutor, basically locking up poor people, black and brown people. Um, it also critiques Sherrod Brown and basically ties him in with the Russiagate, um, what it calls hysteria, which I don't buy uh, a whole lot of the Russia stuff, although we don't have to get into that now. Like, you just don't think that, like, it happened? Or... Uh, I think a lot of it is overblown. I think Trump definitely committed some crimes, uh, in my opinion. Well, before you even blame him. <laughs> However, I don't think he's, like, a quote-unquote Putin puppet or, like, a Russian op or something. Like, that's, like, something a middle schooler would write. Like, oh, the president is a, a Russian agent in disguise. Like, uh, I don't really... I think he just, like, took some illegal money with probably without even really knowing, to be honest. Like, I, Trump doesn't strike me as the person who exactly knows what he's doing at all times. Anytime. So I believe he committed a crime, but, yeah, the I think the Russia Gate stuff of, like, Oh, all his decisions are because Putin's whispering in his ear. Like I, that doesn't really seem to pan out. If you look at the things that Russia wants versus what Trump does, there's not like a one-to-one correlation. It's like sometimes they align, sometimes they don't. So anyway, um, listen, you said you didn't want to get into it, so I had to ask. <laughs> uh, I'll probably all get edited out. <laughs> Anyways, but then the article goes uh, also critiques Beto uh, for basically being a right winger, which he sort of is. I yeah, I don't really get the Beto hype train. Uh, it's just as liberal as Texas can afford to be. And then yeah, so so it just, so it critiques all of them, and there's a bunch of other people running as well that does not touch on, but. Um, the, the gist is that Bernie is uh, the best candidate running in terms of policies. Oh, so the other good point that the article makes is that Trump uh, is not all that different than his predecessors from Reagan on. And the importance of that being that there's 
this sort of belief that people will just sort of realize how bad Trump is and that's why anyone could beat Trump. But really, most of the policies are just the same neoliberal policies that Obama and Bush and Clinton and other Bush and Reagan had. So most people aren't going to be feeling the sort of outrage that the sort of elites uh, who write these sort of bad take articles, I think that they're going to be feeling, which is why we actually need a good candidate who's running. Um, it addresses the point of Bernie being too old, which I, I, I think there's actually a better point to be made here, but it's it sort of, well, I'll get back into Bernie being too old. It just had a funny line of stuffing him full of sawdust dust and running him like a Muppet, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, anyway... Oh, it, it does make another good point, which I'll come back to, about the people who have sort of uh, were more pro-Bernie um, in, you know, in the lead up to 2016, but then switched to Clinton and, and sort of like getting them to, to come back home, so to speak. But anyway, but the article, I, I would recommend reading the whole thing. It's very good. It's also very, it's a little bit, you know, inspiring if you're uh, the type of person who is inclined to uh, want a good president. But yeah, just I felt it was very resonant with uh, at least my experience of, of people's view of the election. So I'll start uh, that last point I made, I suppose. Uh, I don't know if you've like noticed this at all. I just happened to notice it because of the, some of the people I follow on Twitter. But uh, there's a lot of people, even people we went to uh, undergrad with, who I remember being pro-Bernie, but I have not thought of as being pro-Bernie for several years because they switched to the anyone-but-Trump wagon as soon as Bernie was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they are sort of coming back, uh, and which I guess is good, but also makes me wonder what, if anything, they actually believe in. But I don't know if you've uh, noticed this at all or if you're not uh, as online as I am. Well, we've talked about people that like were pro Hillary, like fr- well when Bernie was still an option, and like just how atrocious that is, and like how the people that are like super hype on Kristen Gillibrand and like Elizabeth Warren were the people that were like Hillary twenty sixteen and like twenty fourteen and shit like that, and like um I don't I if people are like coming back with their tail between their legs, that's fine. It's better than nothing, but it does uh stick of some amount of cowardice well i wish their tail was more between their legs they're coming it needs to be more yeah. <laughs> they're coming back like they never left though it's like i've seen you though i saw where you were <laughs> <laughs> i know what you did last night <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah i mean i, I don't know who would have thought those uh you know those preppy yuppies that we went to undergrad with could have ever been pro hillary i because i don't really talk to that many people but anybody i've seen that like was not bernie before hillary was also like uh mid to late 20s early mid 30s like white woman (laughs) and it seemed like they were just like we want like i just like would rather have a woman in office than anything because that'll like work out that'll work itself out (laughs) because she's a woman like the reason that like you think that is because like women haven't been given positions of power yet 
but I promise as soon as they like are as much as like in the open, you'll realize just how shitty they are too. Like it's not, mm, I don't know. <laughs> not I don't know if they'll realize it. I agree with everything you say, except I'm not sure they would realize it. Self-awareness was always a low point. Yeah. It's because they haven't given an option, not because they're like inherently like better. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a bad look. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sort of already know that from like Margaret Thatcher, but yeah, I mean, it's a small sample size, but we do. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, back to stuff that won't get edited out. <laughs> um, so the other uh, good point that the article makes uh, that I wanted to come back to was just Bernie's age. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I had known this before, but I was recently reminded of it. I sort of forgot it. Diane Feinstein is 85 years old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bernie is 77, which means... By the time Bernie is done with his second term, he would only be a year older than Feinstein is now. Just won her election that she was well ready to tell those all those little kids that she was fucking dumped <laughs> uh, out. The gall. Like, knowing that they're getting recorded. Like, God bless. Like, obviously she doesn't give it a shit. Like, why would she? Yeah, that was the part. Like, I didn't even think about that until someone brought it up. But she knew she was on camera. And she still felt justified to yell at some little kids. Talking about she, has, she can be pragmatic about climate change or whatever BS she was peddling. Like, oh my god. Because, like, signing that little poster board is not binding. Like, how how much, like, internal, like, guilt or, like, dissonance does she feel that she needs to, like, scream at these kids about instead of just saying, like, nodding her head yes and, like, taking, like, the knee and, like, moving on and still not doing it anyways because, of course, she's not going to. But, like, just fucking, like, oh my god. But, anyway, point, point being, there is precedent for having uh, an older politician who can still function as a politician even though Feinstein is not say the greatest example of of a old politician there's still there's there's sort of a a, a misbalance between uh, the way that a lot of these anti Bernie people talk about Feinstein versus how they talk about Bernie Trump is 72, Hillary is 71. Like, the only reason you don't think that is because Trump literally only always wears spray tan, and Hillary's, like, done up all the time, and Bernie just wears it, like, just, like, this old-ass man with his fucking crazy hair and just, like, haunched back, but, like, he's, like, not that much older. He just, like, Mm -hmm. talks like an old man. The other two are, like, trying to, like, hide it, but, like, if you just, like, look at their birth certificates. Well, now the centrists are trying to say that Bernie got some Botox to try and look younger. I saw that. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, what? <laughs> I just like yeah. how, like, you're just <laughs> the straws they have to grasp at is like <laughs> incomprehensible. Yeah. So the and, and the other point I wanted to make about his age too, uh, which I had not thought of. I forgot. I wish I could remember who made this point. But in the worst case scenario, Bernie wins and then dies immediately in office. And in that case, what happens is that his hand-picked vice president becomes the president, which doesn't really seem like that bad of a thing. Until you figure out it's Tim Kaine part two. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's got deep pockets. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'm assuming he won't pick uh, someone atrocious, but I I don't see him picking a Tim Kaine type figure, so... No, because he's not a coward like Hillary. (laughs) So for multiple reasons, the age thing should not be a concern. And then um, probably the the last big point I want to hit on here 
is just, uh, and I'm sure I mentioned this when I was summarizing it, but the article says, even if we could get a President Gillibrand 2020, another lukewarm Democratic presidency will not only further impoverish and destabilize the working class and suffering institutions, it will also all but guarantee that 2024 brings us a President Hamburglar in an SS uniform. <laughs> and... Uh, I think that's actually an important point. I mean, for as bad as Trump is, and I mean, like I said, he's only really as bad as any other neoliberal would be. But for as bad as Trump is, we got very lucky that we had someone who was so incompetent as opposed to uh, a fascist who actually knows what he's doing. God bless. (laughs) Because if if Trump actually knew what he was doing, we would be in much worse shape. Um, our the greatest blessing is just that Trump is. I mean, to the extent that Trump is a puppet, he's just a puppet of the people who are around him who actually do understand how the government works. Because Trump barely knows how to sign an executive order. I mean, I don't know if you remember the one video where they had to actually remind him that he actually has to sign it. He can't just pose for the photo. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one. It was during uh, I don't know. It was like NAFTA or something. It was like with Mexico and Canada and like Trudeau and whoever the Mexican president was like looked at him and he was like, well, how many of these do I have to sign? There's like seven of them. You have to sign all of them. They're just like, you got to keep going, buddy. <laughs> just like, <laughs> what the fuck? So, I mean, for that reason, we are very lucky to have Trump because he doesn't know what he's doing, which is the best thing you can say about him. I think even if Hillary Clinton had won in 2016, I think we would be in a lot of trouble right now. I think you would see the super Trump running if right now. Absolutely. Because, like, I mean, besides, like, George H.W. being the outlier for various reasons, um, it's always been, like, two-term switch party, two-term switch party. Like... I, if back to back like Obama and then Hillary without like a decompression valve of like a Republican president, like I'm not saying there should be, but like that's just how it's been. Like holy fuck, with like Hillary trying to like run shit, and everybody's just like, yeah, so it would be like real bad. Like Ben Shapiro and like Stephen Crowder would be 69ing until like <laughs> they just like could come up with like the perfect like I don't know, like just like a robot, like a Terminator two mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I mean, well, what is, it's not even a matter of. uh just like switching parties as a release valve. It's more of like, if you keep, if the Democratic Party continually drifts right, which they have been, and Hillary Clinton will have been a further drift to the right, then Republicans are also going to drift to the right to create some space between them. And if neither party is actually helping anyone, then that's why you're going to end up switching parties because people will say, well, this party didn't work. Let me try the other one, which is, stupid if you think about it over the long term because we already know that neither party does anything so but in any case so if you if you drift the democratic party to the right and then the republican party drifts to the right as response that's how you end up with the actual fascist in office and so the only way to actually solve this is to go back to the left that way not only one do you actually help people and therefore encourage people to continue to vote for leftist presidents. Uh, I think you'll recall the last time we had a president this far to the left in office, he was elected to four terms, and they had to pass a new law to say (laughs) that you can't do that anymore because he was that popular. He absolutely ran the podium and then, like, bled over to the fourth (laughs) place. (laughs) 
Absolutely. <laughs> he literally had to die for them to get him out of office. Oh, what a fucking hero. I like fucking bless but it's not that people need to switch parties they will stick with the same party or even the same person infinitely if that person's actually helping them which actual leftist policies would as we already know from history which again, i never even understand why we have these debates when history tells us what works and what doesn't work but in, in any case facts don't care about your feelings <laughs> uh, um yeah, so in any case, then it's very important that we do not elect someone who's a centrist or else we are in a great deal of trouble for 2024. I'll make one last point. I think I said that last one was the last major one, but I'll make one more uh, minor one. The article says uh, basically don't be fooled or don't uh, you know get drawn in by people criticizing Bernie from the center, I guess. And one of the ways that we see it a lot, particularly right now, uh, and in 2016 too, but this critique of Bernie Sanders on racism and sexism, saying he doesn't do enough to fight them. I don't find that critique to be true. I mean, we see Bernie's been fighting. Bernie was part of this literal civil rights movement and continues to support Black Lives Matter. Uh, he had he had Killer Mike uh, campaigning for him. Uh, <laughs> Nina Turner campaigns for him. Uh, I mean, I'm not and so. I mean, he has support of women, uh, African Americans. He actually does the best among women and African Americans, and the worst among white men. So I don't. Ex- I mean, the critique just comes from again, as you said, grasping at straws. But so so don't don't fall for those critiques uh, and also even if you for whatever reason did think that he needed some policy adjustment there i don't see who's better than him on those issues right now hey justin can i ask you a question real quick uh-huh. in the 2016 election between bernie and hillary which one of them described black men as super predators <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and did you see uh, when a young uh, African-American woman called out Hillary for that and she had uh, her escorted uh, away from the room? So that was how she <laughs> how she dealt with that oh, one. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I guess, you know, to be fair, though, uh, in 2020, Kamala Harris does use hot sauce. She does carry hot sauce in her bag. Oh, my God. But we should move on. We've been on <laughs> this article for while now but although it is important so we are already at what like 40 minutes i know a lot's getting cut (laughs) like this episode might just be bernie um which is fine i like that's fine with me too and i mean obviously with the safe room but Uh, my safe room is so short this week mine is too actually so it's fine uh that will conclude our discussion of this week's text but before we end the show we always take time to go in our safe room Now that we're in the safe room, Alex, feel free to go ahead and say what's on your mind. All right. So I have two two quick things on my mind. First, I know our very good president has said <laughs> that Frederick Douglass is, quote, an example of somebody who's done an amazing job and is getting recognized more and more, I notice. But here's the thing about Frederick Douglass. He was killing it in the 1800s. 
but hasn't done shit recently. So I don't know for why he'd be getting recognized more and more. That's dumb. Frederick Douglass has been sitting on the laurels of his old ass for at least 150 years. <laughs> Stupid. He needs to do better. That's the first thing. Second thing is no more TV shows ever since fucking Seinfeld, before Seinfeld, should ever, ever have a laugh track ever again. And any show that comes out now that has had a laugh track should immediately tell you that you should not be watching this show because it's not funny because I need to tell you when to laugh. Like literally any show that has a laugh track now, like just like look up show without laugh track and just see how appalling it is. The exact opposite end of that spectrum is there's like a series of films called The Naked Gun. And it was originally a TV show. The TV show was so funny, the producers could not figure out where to put in laugh track because there's so many jokes getting riffed off that they said we can't make the show because we can't put laugh tracks (laughs) in this reasonably. So we just like lost out on having that like as a show from like this like amazing like series of like comedic films with the same like writing staff. So the laugh track is just a cancer. That's all I have to say about either of those things. (laughs) Frederick Douglass, get good today. No more laugh tracks ever. Were those two points connected at all? No, those are just the those are just two things that are on my mind, and they're neither of them could hold even half a say for me. <laughs> yeah, I think the story behind Trump being or thinking that Frederick Douglass is still alive is he was doing taking a tour of the new Museum of African American History in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. and he the tour guide who was I don't remember who it was but it was like some prominent scholar of african-american studies and the tour guide was telling him about frederick Douglass, and trump just assumed that the tour guide was frederick Douglass or something like it didn't really make sense like it, it's not like this this is the reason why it's not like a good reason <laughs> but, but yeah because it, it was after that tour that he is when he sent the tweet out that frederick Douglass is doing big things right now <laughs> oh my god but uh hero yeah, and yes, laugh tracks are also terrible. There's a yeah, there's actually a podcast called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible, and they had an episode called The Laugh Box about like the history of the laugh track, how it sort of came to prominence, and then also how it went away. It, it sort of has not totally gone away, but it's lost prominence, and it, and it should be dead. It's just it's like a zombie. But uh, but yeah, there's sort of like a weird transition period where like shows were kind of like starting to get more serious after the laugh box uh or the, the laugh track and then but they were still sort of using it uh anyways it's, it's an interesting podcast if you're interested in laugh tracks anyway my safe room this week is just a amusing story and we can finally tie in our uh creative writing mm-hmm. pass uh, so I was, I won't say exactly, uh, where I was, where I was doing, but I'll just say that I was, uh, watching a group of students, uh, learn about storytelling and the person who was running the, uh, work, the storytelling workshop started to explain to them the difference between showing and telling. And I actually had to watch this presentation twice. And the first time I just wasn't really paying attention, but the second time I, I sort of picked up on what they were doing. But what they what happened was they thought that telling was when you like wrote it 
and showing was when it was like TV or a movie. Oh my god! And so, <laughs> and so they were like, so they put up like an example of like one of their examples was a description of when they first see the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, and so they showed the the novel, and they were like, so this is an example of telling oh as it went on to like vividly describe the scene and then they're like and here's an example of showing and then they showed the movie oh and it's just like <laughs> oh my god that's amazing uh, <laughs> yeah just the absolute butchering of but, a pretty basic concept those they know that the phrase is show don't tell right they said that uh-huh. so just don't mm-hmm use print media like don't write well it was weird too because he was like he was like you know i'm not trying to say that like uh all visual media is better than print media like print media can have its benefits but like visual media just is better at showing or something like that (laughs) theoretically i can't argue with him but kind (laughs) of like oh my god (laughs) well i mean i guess Visual media is better at showing only in like the most literal on the nose sense of like it's visual, but like in the actual sense of what showing worth telling me, it's that's just not true. It's like, right. Oh. It just matters how you write it. Oh my god! It's like how are you gonna be? It was yeah. I, I don't want to give too many details, but I was. I'll just. I'll just say that I was saying that thinking I could teach this better. Um, but holy yeah, I was. That's amazing. But yeah, I knew you'd get a kick out of that. So good. (laughs) That like makes my like heart smile and weep simultaneously. What a good (laughs) feeling! Holy (laughs) shit! That's bananas. That's absolutely <laughs> just for anybody that's not familiar with that phrase. Show don't tell just means that you should like write or describe things in a way that like lets the reader understand what's happening. Instead of saying I am sad, you would write a scene that shows that somebody is like sorrowful instead of just like saying that I am sad because that doesn't invoke any emotion that just is describing. It's just scene setting, and obviously mm-hmm. it's a far more powerful way of like storytelling. It's not. Like you said, it's not just reading <laughs> versus seeing. Oh shit! <laughs> oh fuck! I'm not trying to mansplain that either. I didn't like. I was not familiar with that phrase until like three years ago when I took creative writing classes. Fuck me. Uh, they said our degrees were useless. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe this kid's fucking running the world, dude. I don't what if he he cracked the code what if we've all been doing it wrong maybe we've been wrong this whole time well seriously what if we're on the wrong side like what if this are pull yourself up by your bootstraps thing but like we're the ones that don't get that it's a joke (laughs) we like think that yeah no it's actually oh my god that's so good thank you for that Uh, well that will do it for this week's show. 
uh, see the show notes for a link to read and watch the entire text that we discussed for yourself this week. Uh, our music uh, on the podcast is produced by Nicholas Pizzuto. So join us again in two weeks as we find two new texts to discuss. Just a friendly reminder that Trump mocked prisoners of war, saying he preferred people who weren't captured. <laughs> see ya. Bye. <laughs>